I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common. Go head-to-head to see which one does it better on this week's final Clash Podders in Control. Appropriately enough, in the red corner... There was nothing super about the reviews for this adaptation of the most famous video game character in the world. Nintendo's pride and joy was chewed up and spat out like Yoshi with a Koopa shell. But let's look at it with fresh eyes, shall we, as we reassess 1993's Super Mario Brothers. Mario Brothers plumbing, no leak too small. Uh-huh. No, 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 don't touch it. No, no, it's not a big problem. Just leave it to the professionals. We'll be right there. Luigi, we got a broken dishwasher at the Riverfront Cafe. You know what that means? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got Mike. And appropriately enough, in the blue corner, <laughs> Sega waited 27 years before they subjected their famous mascot to the big screen treatment. Did they learn from Nintendo's folly? Is a high-speed hedgehog just more gosh darn lovable than an Italian plumber played by a bloke from Bury St. Edmunds? From 2020, we take a high-speed tour of Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm Sonic, a little ball of super energy in an extremely handsome package. On my planet, people were always after my powers. So I came to yours. It gets a little lonely, but that's okay. I am living my best life on Earth. Ow! So what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's our final ever Clash of the Titles, Clash Potters in Control. The Hello, Clash Butters. Where's my pizza? I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. <laughs> How's tricks? Good. It's not our final ever, though. It's final till next year. Yeah, but this is the last one we're doing from this set, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, then I wouldn't use the word ever. <laughs> okay. Okay, but it is the final ever right now. Okay. All right, Alex. I mean, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. To, I, I'll, I'll, let me do it. I'll, I'll just do it again. 
our final for the moment. See, it just doesn't <laughs> it doesn't sound as good. Our fi- our temporarily final clash podders. I mean, we'll stick with the original. Just drop the word ever. Okay. <laughs> Our final Clash Potters <laughs> in control. Right then, uh, wow, what a couple of months. We went through the joys of Fan Jam that became the incredible Fanuary. We then entered the dizzying heights of February Fanny. And now we're here at the last ever Clash Potters in control. <laughs> uh, what a couple of months it's been, though. It's been fun, hasn't it? Yes, it yes. has. It's been great. Uh, Get Out versus Ready or Not, Wall Street versus Wolf of Wall Street, Kingpin versus The Big Lebowski. But because we know show business, we know you end on a high (laughs) with your headline pairing. We're like the P.T. Barnums of podcasting. So welcome to Super Mario Brothers versus Sonic the Hedgehog. Iconic. Iconic. Yeah. So... Who picked this? So, a uh, couple of people. So, uh, in October 2020, Matthew Page suggested this. Okay. So, for last year, um, he said, Hi, guys. Love the podcast. Had an idea for an episode. Super Mario Brothers v Sonic the Hedgehog in a battle of the mid-90s Japanese console mascots. Both films also have an interesting development history. Cheers, Matt. And then uh, in 2021, Peter Mahoney suggested this one as well. Long-time listener, big-time supporter. Pete, Matt. Thank you very much for these pairings. Um, the clue I gave on last week's show was feeling blue in Italy. Uh, and then you followed that up on Twitter with, I believe, a little gift from mm. the best alien film. Mm. Do you want to do the impression? <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> Any good? That was all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that was all right. I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah, aliens. They're the best, uh, the best movie from that entire franchise. Uh, so we're on Instagram at and and Twitter at Clashpod. And the guest has arrived like a crashing meteor, creating a parallel dimension. Rich Cracknell, Mark Shea, Peter Mahoney, obviously Gary, <laughs> all got the right answer. But our winner is Russell. Your prize, Russell, inspired by the Super Mario games, are some magic mushrooms, and just like the games, they'll help you grow. I feel like I'm pushing magic mushrooms, but you know, we were talking about this. The big wigs in Silicon Valley, they microdose magic mushrooms. I would like to do it. Have you never, you've been on so many bathroom floors. Yeah, trapped. I took megadoses. Right. I mean, small oh, doses. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I would like, I didn't mean I'd like to do mushrooms. I'd like to do tiny bits of mushrooms. Would that just be comparable to just regularly using a bathroom, though? <laughs> just sort of in and out. It is boring. <laughs> in, in normal yeah. time. Once you've had the thought processes I've had, and it's the checkered floors, the checkered floors. Then mm. you're like, oh, I'm a chess piece. And then you can't get out. I swear to God, that's what I thought. Which chess piece were you? Well, take a guess. A pawn? The knight, right. obviously. Okay. Obviously. Why obviously? Because it can move the most. It does the best moves. <laughs> I don't know if that's obvious. <laughs> I don't know. It, it feels like you're back on mushrooms. <laughs> I don't even know how to play chess, which is why I got stuck for so long. I know the horse you can do. <laughs> <laughs> you were stuck because you were trying on mushrooms with no guidance to work out the rules of chess in a bathroom. Remember, people and you tried. Think, <laughs> and you think the knight can do the best moves? Can't the do the three, the move yes, of three. Chess is a feminist game. The queen is oh, the yeah. most powerful piece. Well, this can... is this is the trouble. If really, if either of us had tried, we'd have said the queen. <laughs> but no, fine. But you say mushrooms. Mm. That's a great connection between the movies. Yeah. Oh yeah. In the connection section, go ahead. Yeah. So you've got fungi all over Super Mario Brothers, yeah. and you've got a mushroom world in Sonic the Hedgehog. Which so I is found that weird. a dig at Super Mario Brothers? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
It is a dig at Super Mario Brothers, although they told the lawyers that it wasn't a dig at Super sure. Mario Brothers. The writers did. <laughs> so it's not. It, it's not in the Sonic games. Not that I remember. There, no. there, there is a, there is a mushroomy thing in the Sonic games, but also. They thought it would be a bit Funny. of fun yeah. to pop it in there. And I okay. did, it did make me smile. Okay, uh, eggs. Uh, they're dinosaur eggs in Super Mario Brothers and the robot eggs owned by Dr. Robotnik in Sonic. I've really struggled this week. I've just got a video game film that is terrible and one that everybody thought was going to be terrible. That's it. Okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Don't show it early. Yeah, I knew it had yeah. gone early. I thought they I might... made a conscious decision and I did try and clear it with him before you arrived, but he elided it because he doesn't want to look it in the face. Right. I cannot pretend okay. this week. I'm I'm not going to reveal my hand. No. I'm, I'm intrigued by your thoughts this week I based ve- on the odd message. Weirdly, I have very strong opinions this week, but we'll get to it. We'll get I've, to got, it. I've got like overarching ones. They're both fish out of water stories. They're both portal to another world stories. They both set up a sequel in their final scene. <laughs> um, one which is happening, one which Mario never quite one. happened. The and sequel that no one wants. <laughs> what a fucking um, Shiva. Yeah. <laughs> you won't believe what's happened. <laughs> I, I won't believe anything right now <laughs> what I've just watched I mean how can you end on that line we've you, jumped to the end <laughs> <laughs> you bastards um, I've got a really good one go on Dennis Hopper is in both films is he? What? Sonic watches speed and oh, he yay! quotes the character oh that's so good that's great yep. that's oh well great. done yeah <laughs> Oh, let's put you to shame with your video yeah. game characters. That's so ridiculous. I can't man. believe you that you actually bothered to announce <laughs> video game characters as a connection. I've got, otherwise, I've got nothing and I can't not talk. <laughs> <laughs> let's try it. Uh, see how it feels. <laughs> no. Pop you, into the other room. But you, you have been told before you can you say, can. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't have anything. And you can speak when one of us nods. <laughs> <laughs> right then, on Thursday, Vicky is hitting the accelerator when she sees a hedgehog on the road. Because <laughs> that's... Sonic's fast. Yeah. Nothing to do with real life. I've never hit anything. Uh, I haven't. You've tried that. <laughs> Lots of swerving. Uh, which means today, it's him, a Chris Tilly. Chris takes us on a journey. In the 1980s, a pair of Japanese designers created a video game that took the world by storm. Super Mario Bros. entranced kids with its bright colours, fun worlds and fiendishly addictive gameplay. In the 1990s, a pair of English filmmakers created a movie based on that video game and promptly shat the bed. The bright colours were replaced by dark and nightmarish dystopia, the fun worlds became what looks like a giant S&M club, and the addictive gameplay turned into a confusing plot where a pair of plumbers enter a parallel dimension to battle a pervert lizard man and rescue a princess whose dad was a king but is now a big gooey testicle. The marketing proclaimed, this ain't no game. Unfortunately, it wasn't much of a movie either. Ooh. So when did you first see Super Mario Brothers Vicky? Was it this week? On a train from Basingstoke <laughs> to London Waterloo that I thought was never going to get there because of Storm Eunice. I thought I was going to have to sleep in Basingstoke. So imagine my mood when I watched this. Yeah, I thought I'd seen it, but I really haven't. No. And also, I never used to play the game. So okay. you will have to tell me, and I'll say this with a straight face, <laughs> yeah. if this is a good adaptation. <laughs> no! <laughs> Move on! <laughs> We, we, it's not meant. Let, let's say this up front: it is not meant to be a good adaptation. You're going to talk about this. Nintendo did not say adapt our game, and they were quite enthusiastic about doing something that wasn't anything to do with the game. I'll do go on a bit more on that coming up. Yeah, um, Alex, 
I guess I should have asked, yeah, did you play the game? Uh, yeah, I'm going to do my brief history of uh, my love of the character first. Okay. So uh, I love Mario. Super Mario World on the SNES is still one of the greatest games in history. Ditto Super Mario Kart on the SNES. I've just completed Super Mario Brothers on the Switch. And also on the Switch, I'd say I'm definitely in the top 5% of greatest Mario Kart 8 players in the world. Untested. But definitely oh, a no, fact. Oh, it's your 15th birthday next week. I'm so pleased for you. <laughs> but in, in all honesty, like I do think that Super Mario games, the best ones, are, are, are they have a magic about them like the early Pixar movies where they just bring joy. Just playing them is such a joyful experience. And I've seen this film once before and thought it was unwatchable. Mm. Yeah, me too. That may have changed. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I, I uh, was a fan of Super Mario and Sonic, probably leaning slightly more towards Mario than Sonic mm. in terms of the characters. But yeah, played both games, played this game, um, the early ones anyway. I think one, two and three were the ones I played the most. Once it got a bit more complicated with Super Mario World, I wasn't Super, having it. Super Mario World is just fantastic. Mm. Super Mario World Too much in my brain. introduced Yoshi, though, and Yoshi it just changed everything. But I remember, be, I remember being excited about this film, uh, in, excited that Bob Hoskins was in it. I remember I was excited that Roxette were doing the soundtrack, yeah, even though we've right. since found out that song was for Hocus Pocus, and that's why <laughs> he sings about Hocus Pocus in the song. I remember watching the video. I, I, I recorded the music video for that off the telly so I could see clips from the film. I was that excited. And then the reviews came out, and I saw a couple of trailers, and I didn't bother going to see it at really? the cinema. I thought the trailer looked good. Mm, I only watched it this week, and I thought the trailer... I, I can't believe I didn't see this because mm. when I when I watched it, it was probably only about ten years ago. I never I did I never bothered watching it as a kid. And I think the thing is because it isn't the game, and it doesn't look like the game, and the trailer doesn't yeah. even look like the game. That is why no one went. Oh, I love Mario. I'm going to go yeah, and yeah. see this movie. I thought. I'll wait and see Jurassic Park in a couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll take this one off. So, um, uh, firstly, because there was so much research involved in the making of this film, I'm just going to credit them. Um, there's a great documentary called This Ain't No Video Game on the DVD, which talks to everyone now, including the writers and the directors. They're all funny, interesting people. who It's been such a long time. They're all very honest about what went wrong. So that's great. Um, Parker Bennett, who's one of the main screenwriters, his, his co-writer, Terry Runt, died um, about 20 five years ago now, he set up a website in his memory where he tells a lot of stories of, about the making of this film, which I'll get to, which is great. Um, there's also the Super Mario Brothers movie archive have mm. been posting articles and videos about this film for 15 years. There is a lot to get through. They're great as They're well. They're amazing. They're really well done because you watch, I, like, I mean, I'm sure you watch the d deleted scenes mm. and you... I think maybe that's partly why my opinion of this movie has changed or softened, let's say, slightly, because you watch the deleted scenes and you're like, I mean, there's moments in those deleted scenes that might be tiny that would have entirely changed this movie. Like they wipe out entire backstories and crucial information by just excising scenes. Mm. I'm not convinced it would have been that much better, but... I'm interested to hear I'm what you think when we get there. Later. I'm going to tell you why. And also, there's a great podcast called Best Movies Never Made that go through scripts of films that never got off the ground. One of the presenters of that podcast is one of the screenwriters of Sonic the Hedgehog, and he had his other writer come and guest for four episodes, and over the course of five hours, they went through all, this, all the previous uh, Super Mario scripts. Wow. So there's some great stuff there. So I'll fly through this if I can. In September 1990, Sonic was arguably the biggest kid's character 
in the world. Roland Joffe, the director of The Mission and The Killing Fields, decided he wanted the rights to that movie. You mean Mario. Or you Sorry, mean Mario. Sonic. Right, okay. I've got mad, sorry. Yeah. It's about, we're talking about Mario now. And I've yeah. written Sonic. What is wrong with me? <laughs> um, yeah, his company, Lightstorm, were, were, were making serious films and he wanted to make a bit of money by making a kid's film, making a family film. So he teamed up with Jake Eberts, who produced Chariots of Fire. None of this makes sense. And they flew to Japan to meet the president of Nintendo. Um, a lot of other studios were after the rights to this. Uh, and he was the only one that showed up in Japan, which Nintendo liked. That was an advert. Do you remember an advert? Wasn't there an advert about that? An advert for an airline which had a, um, a, a Western businessman visiting Japan on a jet, which plays into that. Uh, I don't know how true it is anymore, but certainly they do. Uh, the Japanese um, business people do enjoy it and uh, treat, treat it as a sign of respect. Yeah. If you show up in person. Yeah. And, and he said that Nintendo told him how much he'd have to pay them for the rights. He said, I can do it for half of that. And he said, Nintendo liked my balls. They thought I had guts coming in there and saying that. So uh, he, in return, offered them all the merchandising rights, said he didn't want any part of that. And Nintendo did a deal with him at $2 million. He came back with the rights to Super Mario Brothers. Um, and so they started writing scripts. And the first one is what I'm calling the fairy tale version um, by a chap called Phil Genoine and Tom S. Parker. Uh, they wrote this in 1991. Not Jim Genoine. Yeah. Okay. You said Phil. Okay. Jim Genuine. We're talking about Mario. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> do you know why Jim Gen do you know why you should be excited about Jim Genuine? No. Because of a movie that we loved and Chris hated us doing on the show and uh, actually proclaims it one of our lowest rating oh, episodes. Stay tuned. Yes. Yeah. He wrote Stay Tuned. <laughs> no, I wanted to do it. I just didn't like the film. <laughs> um so their script was a bit like Alice in Wonderland, a bit like The Wizard of Oz, a comedic take on fairy tale themes, a bit like The Princess Bride all the correct direction to go sure. with this property, yeah. I would say. And they laid the groundwork for how the characters were used in later versions. So Maria is this older, reluctant hero and Luigi is this young dreamer that, that's going after the girl. And so that's quite specific to almost all the scripts. But they've got that church scene at the beginning in their version. Uh, Mario has these big plumbing dreams, but money problems. Luigi falls for this girl called Hilde in this version and she works in a flower shop. Cooper comes after them. There's a big chase. They end up in a deserted diner with a big pipe that leads to the Mushroom Kingdom. A pipe? That's what it should be. Oh, yeah. That's how these films... This, I should say, I've played the game in other people's houses, so that's my trouble. I know yeah. it a bit. Mm. So it's like, when are you going to jump down a pipe? Yeah. When are you going to put your boilers in? At the All start of the that. film, yeah. like they do in this version. Yeah. And this version has this prophecy. <laughs> There's these... There's the in in the fairy tale land these peasants these human peasants are enslaved and the prophecy as that these uh, two plumbers will come and save them. So um, Hilda in, eats enchanted chocolates that put a spell on her, which is all very Alice in Wonderland and make her fall in love with Cooper. Uh, Yoshi's in this version. Uh, Mario imprints on him and that's how they become connected. Oh. Uh, Toad is in this version. He's a wise-cracking <laughs> toadstool who eats the mushrooms that grow out of his head. That's interesting. So Yoshi doesn't get stabbed in this version. <laughs> no. It's fucked up. No, they chose not to do that. <laughs> and, no. uh, and, and Toad isn't a busker. <laughs> Makes no sense. Right. Um, and there's lots of stuff in the games. There's piranha plants, there's rivers of fire, there's the flying raccoon suit from Super Mario 3. Oh. They go looking for the princess in a castle at one point and find out she's in another castle 
which is a Donkey Kong um, illusion. It's all sort of there. The climax happens at Cooper and Hilda's wedding. And uh, there's a story arc in this one. Um, Mario resents <laughs> Luigi. And you don't learns... even need to add arc to that. You mean there's a story in this one? <laughs> he resents Luigi and then learns to love him. But it was expensive because... All the other versions um, have a lot of the fantasy characters in the real world, whereas here, the whole movie, the, the real characters are in the fantasy world. So uh, Greg Beeman was going to direct it. He directed the Corey Haim, Corey Feldman movie, Licence to Drive. Okay. Um, but then um, just before he was due to do this gig, uh, his movie Mum and Dad Saved the World was released and it was a huge flop. Yeah, I mean, it was a huge flop for the time. It was well, it only it was what made fourteen million on. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. Have you seen it? <laughs> I saw it at the time. Yeah, is it any good? No, oh, okay, sort of a bit like Stay Tuned, really. Um, <laughs> and, we are doing that movie on a future pod, <laughs> and uh, the writers um, then moved on to write Stay Tuned, which was also a financial disappointment. Hit. But then Massive straight hit. after, Massive hit. straight it was a flop. Well, it depends what you mean. By flop. I mean, financially, <laughs> it didn't make much did money. It touch the hearts of millions. Yes, billions. <laughs> yeah, billions, billions of people. Two and people. <laughs> <laughs> They're both in this room. Yeah, which is so weird. Yeah, we, we count as a billion. <laughs> uh, but a year later, they wrote the Flintstones which right. was a huge smash hit. Not the best film, but also... Sure. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, no, but it works as a movie in a way that, yes. that, this, you know, that maybe that script would have worked as well. Okay. But uh, Joffy moved on to... Um, they decided that that version of the script was, was skewing too young, which is a strange angle to take for a movie based on Super Mario Brothers. Because the gamers hadn't really grown up yet. They were still kids that yeah. were playing that game the most. So um, they decided to go in a very strange direction next as Roland Joffe hired um, Barry Morrow to have a bash. Uh, he'd written, he'd co-written Rain Man and Dustin Hoffman was attached to star in Mario Brothers. So that might have been why. But this guy, Barry Morrow, is very interesting. Do you know much about him? Uh, I only know that he wrote Rain Man. Okay, let's it. let's go to before Rain Man. So... Um, his first film was a TV movie about a guy that he met who had learning difficulties. Uh, Dennis Quaid and Mickey Rooney were in it. It was a huge hit. His next film was also about that man with learning difficulties. Uh, then he met savant Kim Peake and wrote Rain Man about him. Yeah. He got this gig. They say, right, what you know. So for this adaptation of Rain Man, he wrote an existential road trip movie with Mario as a smart older brother and Luigi as his naive savant sibling. <laughs> so he basically wrote Rain Man again. Uh, again. Uh, yes, they called the, the script was nicknamed Drain Man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, it works. It actually works. <laughs> it didn't happen because it makes no sense. <laughs> Who wants a Rain Man remake in the Super Mario Brothers world? I don't know. What you a know. pitch that is. <laughs> right, next, we're travelling back to prehistoric times, uh, as that was the pitch by British husband and wife team Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jankel. Um, they'd fooled the world into thinking their cult character Mech's Headroom was computer generated, which he very much was not. <laughs> and that got them to Hollywood. Did you like Max Headroom, Alex? I don't I don't remember Max okay. Headroom. We've talked about him before on this show, I'm I'm sure, mm. but but I, I have no actual memory of him. I've I've sort of looked him up since and gone. Right, but no, I don't know him. Okay, it just frightened me, and I didn't understand it. So he was the guy who sort of juddered a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he looked well. He looked like he was three D computer animation, but it was a bloke, and it was Matt Frewer. Mm. Uh, Honey, I shrunk the kids, and he's in a rubber suit and 
Anyway, uh, they made a movie called uh, DOA with Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan that I thought was good, but apparently it wasn't a hit. But um, they yeah, pitched... Like, stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They pitched uh, the fact that they didn't like the childlike fantasy aspect of the family version and they wanted to do something more grown up. Which again, as I say, it doesn't make sense, but you've got to remember that we're coming off the back of Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. There and two, so- there's two things that I, I found amusing about those two. First of all is that they had been walking around saying we want to make uh, a kind of like a a dark gothic fantasy movie set in an alternate world Mm -hmm. already and and then this mario brothers opportunity landed in their lap and there is a school of thought that just goes so this Mm. was a movie you had in your head and you then just basically went well just these fucking characters in it and that Mm -hmm. was why they did it and the other thing is is um, Rocky Morton basically going, he wanted, <laughs> it's, a, it's just a really crazy quote where he goes, there was an anti-adult feeling about video games at this point. Yeah. So what I wanted to do was make a, a video game movie that adults could enjoy and therefore basically go, oh, okay, video games are cool. Video games are all right. We don't mind our kids playing video games. Okay, But for that to work, you probably don't have a cunnilingus joke in it. <laughs> Because at what point is a parent going to go and see that movie and go, my fucking kids play this fucking game. And there's a guy sticking his tongue. You don't know the joke I mean. No, I don't. I, I mean, it may or may not be, but it's the bit where Dennis Hopper is hitting on Daisy. Yeah. And he sticks his massive long lizard tongue out. Oh, yeah. Sure. I mean, there's enough sure. mature themes in this film to make you think I don't want my kids playing this yeah. game. But that's the yeah, moment. Right. Sorry. That's the moment where you sort of go. Well, I mean, surely that's right, because he's basically going, oh, this ain't a human tongue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Mm. Uh, no, I was just obsessed with how rubbish it looked, and I missed the joke. I was like, that looks looks shit. Mm. Never mind. But you're all right. So he pitched his version as being the real story of the brothers, an origin story that would act as a prequel to the game. And it was their idea to set the movie primarily in Dino Hatton, an alternative universe version of New York City, Um, though apparently very loosely inspired by Dinosaur Land in Super Mario World. I'm not buying that. Yeah, it's not. It's not at all. I've played that game. Basically, they just went... There are dinosaurs. It was the first time Mario had introduced Yoshi in that game and dinosaurs and dinosaur land. And so they went, fine, well, we'll put dinosaurs in it. It in no way resembles that game whatsoever. On his website, Parker Bennett um, describes his first meeting with the directors. Uh, He's the future screenwriter. Um, Have you played the video game, asked Rocky. I glanced at Terry. Which one of us should lie first? I'd played a lot of Donkey Kong in college. (laughs) Never played it, Terry said simply. Fantastic, Rocky beamed. Brilliant. We don't want anyone who's too caught up in the game. We're not worrying about any of that. This isn't about a video game. You can't make a movie about a video game, Annabelle asserted. That's why no one's done it before now, Rocky said. It's what tripped up the other directors. You get trapped trying to make it about the game. Let's see how that worked out. Because Parker and Bennett were invited to pitch making the Super Mario movie not about the game, which makes sense, as they never played the game. Uh, Their pitch, which Bennett's posted in full online, it's a really interesting document. Um, I'll post it on our Twitter. He drew a teaser poster because he was an artist and he reckons that got them the gig because he's not convinced about his actual pitch. Um, But they cold open with the baby. That's still happening, that scene. Uh, But there's a locket that gets thrown in a sewer. And we cut to the present day. Uh, the business is going badly. The plumbing business, the girls are going missing. They get a plumbing gig at an orphanage and they find the locket. Um, Luigi meets Daisy waiting tables at a pizzeria. They all end up going down a pipe. 
into Dino Hatton. <laughs> not a hole. <laughs> uh, they find the imprisoned humans who believe they are plum- the plumbers of prophecy. And this is sort of a good Moses thing uh, they added in. Um, Cooper believed this prophecy and had all the plumbers rounded up years ago in the land and killed, apart from one who escaped, and that was Mario and Luigi's dad. Oh, cool. my God. Do you know what? That explains... That, exp- that line has clearly... That theory has made it into this final version in some form. Mm. Because I swear Cooper at one point goes, plumber alert! And you're like, what the fuck? Why would you have a plumber alert? Why would that be a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Another addition that didn't make it in is their plumbing manual uh, becomes a talking book with wisdom and advice from their dad. Their dad talks to them through a book. A girl like this as well, uh, they said, uh, Parker Bennett said... uh, Ghostbusters was our model. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. We were aiming towards funny, but kind of weird and dark. Uh, okay. Like Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. But not quite as good. Oh, if you come for the king. <laughs> so I'm going to quote from that document, that original document they sent over. He ends with them saying, uh, we want to expand her story, Daisy, so she's not just gradually eating chocolates and turning into a lizard, <laughs> um, <laughs> but plotting and then succeeding in escaping, along with the dozen or so uh, Brooklyn maidens kidnapped in Cooper's search for the princess. Not all change is good. <laughs> uh, Mario and Luigi's quest will satirise both the urban landscape of New York and the Dungeons and Dragons style legends of old when Marion Luigi is sent to the pit of no return for example it's a bar on 42nd street so hip <laughs> no one can bring themselves to leave once they enter that's good to get to to get to King Cooper's castle they've got to go through the five burrows actual underground tunnels dug by a large creature and the third act has Marion Luigi working to thwart his plan uh, destroying the pipeway and fixing the world's biggest leak the interdimensional leak between our two worlds okay so thematically they're trying to put the plumbing thing front and centre. Mm-hmm. Um, that got them the gig. Uh, they then received a cheat sheet from Nintendo um, and they got an, an NES in the office. So Parker played it and became a bit of an expert and they wrote the script. They then, only gave them a... Wait, wonder what year this was. It might have been a Super NES. I okay. Think a SNES. Yeah. I'm just trying to save you time because there's so much to get through. And if you say NES and Super NES every time, you can say NES and SNES. The producers then brought in veteran British screenwriters Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenet. <laughs> Why are you shaking your head? It just annoys me because they, they just get nauseated. I said like, but they just get a pass at everything. The commitments was very good. The commitments was very good. Uh, <laughs> I know. Well, anyway, they were brought in. You're like this. They were brought in to give it a more feminist tone. Oh, oh my God. Let's get these two ancient men <laughs> they're, they're at the forefront yeah. of the fight how do women think have you asked Dick and Ian yeah let's ask Dick <laughs> dad's army <laughs> it's just this industry sometimes I know I joke about it but it makes me so angry I can't even see straight like, I just <laughs> well I, I think there's some logic to picking them because you're telling a story of two blue collar workers and these are the guys who wrote the Lightly Lads and Porridge did they? Oh, didn't they, they didn't do that, Army, did they? No. All right. So I think it, I think it makes sense why you would bring them in to write the story of these two brothers. Or it was punching up some of the dialogue. They wanted to give the characters clarity, and they were brought in to sort of humanise uh, what the previous writers had done. Um, they did, however, include a scene. Oh my god! Where while crawling through the vents in the tower at the climax, Mario and Luigi bump into a bloke <laughs> holding a pump-action shotgun with glass in his feet, who tells them to go the other way. It's a Bruce Willis cameo. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a die-hard John McClane cameo in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Why? <laughs> because he climbs through vents in Die Hard as well. 
What do you know? What more do you need than that? Why? They're in event. <laughs> he was in event once. Who else would they meet? That's weird. So didn't they write in the script Bruce Willis brackets or similar? <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I don't think they were going to get Bruce Willis. No. It was just going to be the joke would be someone who looks like him saying you've gone the wrong way. Okay, it's come up to the coast. <laughs> Together. Have a good time, Mario and Luigi. Uh, they did a couple of drafts. One included a Mario Kart style chase that sounded like Mad Max, Fine. which would have been a great addition yeah. and would have made sense. Um, well, at the end of their story, uh, one of their stories, Japanese executives from Nintendo show up and try to buy the rights to Mario and Luigi's adventure. And that ended up in, in every version of the script after this until the final filmed version. Uh, they thought their stories where it needed to be and what they wanted to shoot. The directors loved it. They storyboarded this version. They built sets for this version. It was the script that got Bob Hoskins and Fiona Shaw involved and they thought everyone was happy and then Nintendo got upset. Roland Joffe said it wasn't working and they were kicked off the project. That's interesting. I didn't know Nintendo... I, I didn't know Nintendo got upset about everything. Basically, the way I read it, as <clears> opposed to what you'd think, which is Nintendo going, this is our pride and joy... From the very off, Nintendo seemed to be like, we are so convinced that our Mario brand is that strong that you can do anything and it's not gonna it's not gonna damage Mario whatsoever. Which is kind of true because the film didn't really change anything for Mario. But also they kind of went, We want to see what you do. Go out there, take our property and have a blank canvas. And and I think the expression they used was like, we want to see if this can walk. Um as a as a concept, as Mario as a movie, whatever you want to do. That's not what Ian and Dick said. Uh, talking to the Super Mario movie database people. Really? No. Yeah, well, I mean, do we trust Ian and Dean? So, uh, 10 days before principal photography was due to start, uh, Roland Joffe and Jake Ebert commissioned a new draft without consulting the directors. They wanted to Disneyfy the darker dystopian elements that the directors had pushed to incorporate. So Bill and Ted writer Ed Solomon was brought in to make it more family-friendly, uh, though the directors saw it as dumbing the script down. Uh they were forbidden from speaking to Ed while he was doing this work. Um, and they were then handed a script that bore little relation to the sets they'd built and the storyboards they'd drawn. Wow. This, uh, is, this, is where, this is where every... This is, if you want to find a moment where everything falls apart with this movie, this is it. And Rocky said, we, we wanted to quit. We talked about quitting, but we decided that we were the people Rather best... paid. <laughs> Uh, We're making a Hollywood movie. Yeah. I mean, we've just fucking done we Max could Headroom. Quit. Oh, <laughs> oh, I, I, I would have quit. But they decided that they were the only people that knew all the different versions of the script. They were the only people that could make it work. They agreed to do it on the fly, really not knowing from day to day what they were going to do. And they, Rocky took all the all the storyboards they'd done outside and burned them. <laughs> okay, it's so sad. I just feel so sad for these people. Right, casting. Uh, Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman wanted the role of Mario. That deal fell apart. Nintendo wanted Danny DeVito. Yes. And he let them use uh, his name to get the film financed. Um, but then he turned it down. They offered ultimately. him the director's chair as well. He was going to direct a film called Hoffa, though, mm. with Jack Nicholson, um, which isn't great. But I can see why he did that. Um, Tom Hanks was a maybe, um, but he was coming off three flops at the time. Mm. Unlike Bob Hoskins. And so uh, who's coming off Roger Rabbit and Hook. Mm. Oh, so yeah. uh Bob Hoskins got the role of Mario and instead Tom Hanks did Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, Smart move, Hanksy. Um, 
They wanted Luigi then to be a contrast to Bob Hoskins and they'd seen John Leguizamo doing his one-man show at Second City and they thought he was instantly likeable and could project the innocence they were after for the character. So he got that gig, mm. meaning you've got a Cockney and a Colombian New Yorker <laughs> as two Italian plumbers. Uh, yeah, John Leguizamo is quite funny about that in his autobiography, though, because he does talk about how uh, loads of uh, uh, Italian actors had been taking... Uh, Latinx roles, and, uh, and now it was the reverse. Mm. He got to play an Italian. Um, yeah, apparently Hoskins, uh, when he signed obviously with Mario Brothers, had no idea it was based on a video game, and it was only when his son went, you're in Super Mario Brothers. Mm. He went, uh-huh. <laughs> wow. Uh, a guy called uh, Frank Welker provided voices Never for some of, of the characters <laughs> in the movie. You went to me. Oh, that's exciting, nice. isn't it? He's probably is he is he our favourite person? I honestly feel like he might be my dad by this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, Arnold Schwarzenegger was initially wanted for Bowser, um, but Dennis Hopper got the gig as King Cooper, and everyone seems to have a story about him ranting and raving and shouting at the writers and the directors on this film. Are you going to do the story? It sounds amazing when we come to it. Do you want to do it when we're going through the movie? Yeah. It's just incredible. I'm trying to get through the background. There's so much of it. I'm nearly there though. Um, but the shoot wasn't a, ple- a pleasant one. They um, made the movie in an abandoned cement factory in North Carolina, which is where they shot The Crow. Ha ha! <laughs> so nothing's bad happened there. Yeah. Um, and John Leguizamo said it was a bit of a nightmare. There was too many captains, two directors, two producers, Nintendo, Disney, schools of writers. Um, one day he was told to be funny, the next not funny. He said it was mixed messages and everyone was miserable. They were shooting on, on sets where the paint wasn't dry. There were flaws in the script while they were shooting that they were trying to fix on the day. He said we were constantly dealing with leaky pipes and no one was looking at the big picture. They invited a journalist onto set from the LA Times called Richard Staten and he did not write a particularly positive piece. Um, they called the script by that point the rainbow script because the pages were all different colours. Mm. There was no white left from what had originally been written. Those changes every day. Um, he said, in fact, Jenkel and Morton um, seemed to be improvising the story as they inched along. It's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, you, you read such conflicting stories. Like some people talk about... Uh, Jenkel and Morton as really having a hard time with this movie and it not being their fault and it being outside forces acting upon them. And then others sort of talk about the fact that they were quite difficult to work with because they just contradict each other all the time. I think John Leguizamo called them the Hydra because like one would say one thing and then the other would say the other. And he, I can't remember who it was. I don't want to. I don't want to say the wrong person. But the idea that you know, as a as a directing pairing, anyway, at the best of times, having two directors is hard. And in this situation, it was just impossible. Yeah, Staten told Hopper the directors declined to speak to him for the story, and Hopper responded, "That's the only intelligent thing I've heard that they've actually done." Um, so two weeks into the shoot, Ed Solomon, uh, the screenwriter, got another call. I'd done as much as I could with the script and felt like it was at least coherent. And he said it had cohesive characters and an interesting story. When I got down there, Rocky had cut it up with a bunch of other stuff he liked from other drafts and a bunch of new stuff. He literally chopped it into pieces and taped it together. There was no through line on set. There was also a sense that nothing was certain. The production designers and FX people didn't know what they were building. The actors had arrived and didn't know what they were playing. There was just a general sense of what the fuck is going on. <laughs> yeah, Leguizamo said that like <clears throat> the the uh, Janklin, uh, Janklin Morton. 
just kept trying to insert stuff on the day. Like they decided, right, we're making a movie for eight-year-olds. And John Leguizamo was like, that seems that seems like the right thing to do. And then they turn up and suddenly these new pages are being taped in with sexually explicit material because that's the f- original film mm. that the director signed up for. Yep. Samantha Mathis said that three weeks before the end of the shoot, um, the directors were thanked and told, you can leave now, we're going to make the rest of the movie without you. She said at that point it was abundantly clear that things had gotten out of control. Rocky said it was humiliation, it was harrowing. They ended with Roland Joffe directing scenes and cinematographer Dean Semler, who we know from the Mad Max movies, uh, he was doing second unit. But they got the film finished. Um, Disney owned the rights by this point. They distributed it via their Hollywood Pictures arm uh, as they had no idea really what to do with it. And it came out two weeks before Jurassic Park. Uh, it was a critical and commercial bomb. Uh, Parker Bennett, the screenwriter, he took his mum to the premiere and afterwards she told him it was the worst film she'd ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> He's very funny about this experience. Um, but it has become something of a cult movie in the intervening years. Um, speaking to Wired in 2014, Joffe said, it's not that I defend the movie, it's just that in its own extraordinary way, it was an interesting and rich artefact and has earned its place. It has strange cult status. Hmm. So how about we take a break and then talk about the movie? Okay. Great. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And we are back. Let's talk about this strange artifact then. So it starts. Da, 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 da. It starts boom, with the Mario music. I was so excited when yeah. I heard that music. I was like, I maybe I've misjudged my memory of this film. <laughs> da, 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 da. I'm into it. Hmm. And we're in Brooklyn 65 million years ago. Yeah, yeah. So this sequence, um, they showed it to test audiences and it was a disaster because they had no idea what was going on. So Bennett and Runt were 
brought in to write new dialogue to set up the premise and help make the movie make sense. And editor Mark Goldblatt said he's never dealt with more ADR on a movie. So they were writing dialogue for when characters' heads were turned to try and explain the plot <laughs> somehow. And they wrote this animated sequence. But the idea was that the animation was supposed to look like the Super Mario yeah. Brothers game. No shit. It doesn't. <laughs> and so Park Bennett, Parker Bennett said, I don't know what they were thinking. We literally said animated a scene that looks like the game. Who shall we get to voice it? Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson doing the voice. <laughs> so, yeah, it's. You mean another animated character? So, another famous animated character who's voicing something that's meant to look like an animated video game. Go. You know, we've already hired Bob Hoskins. Um, so, anyway, that explains that there's this parallel dimension where dinosaurs evolved and thrived. Uh, what if they found a way back? Then we're into Brooklyn 20 years ago. Uh, a woman, a mother leaving her egg with a nun. It hatches and it's a baby with a rock. How cool are those nuns oh God, with it? Those, nuns, those nuns seem pretty chill about an egg baby. They're like, oh, little, little baby. A, a fucking baby comes out of an egg and they're like, thank you, Jesus. It's like, Have you read the Bible? There's no egg babies in it. They don't know how it happens, though, do they? Because they're virgins, aren't they? So they don't know. This is how you get a baby. They're not allowed access to that literature. No, they're not. I, no. I think that's true. Okay. I don't know. Okay. You know how much I know about religion, which is everything. 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 <laughs> it's very Batman Returns at this point. Yes. I don't mind this opening. It's no, very Oswald Cobblepot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, she heads into a sewer where Cooper asks her, where's the rock? And then mum disappears forevermore. Yep, mm. that's that. Fridged. <laughs> uh, Brooklyn now, we meet the Mario brothers who are plumbers going broke. Um, they go to fix a broken dishwasher, but the Scapelli plumbers get there first. Mm. Um, Deleted scene? Yeah, those Scapellis are in a lot more of the previous scripts. And as you say, they're in deleted scenes. There's a lot more of them. And we get what was going to be because it was one of the voices that the toys would make here. The the catchphrase, the intended catchphrase for this movie was meant to be Mario saying, nobody touches my tools. That was going to be the catchphrase. Bob Hoskins. You could have said anything then. <laughs> nobody touches my tools. The, the, the thinking now is the only kind of in inverted commas catchphrase this movie has is, Trust the fungus. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> and um, Hosky, uh, sorry, Mario and Luigi are in their truck that they drive around in at this point. Um, the two actors, and I'm quoting from this article now, they swilled scotch together between takes, leading to an onset accident in which Leguizamo drunkenly crashed a truck and broke Hoskins' hand. Right. Nothing went well on this film. Uh, there's missing Brooklyn girls. Daisy's digging up dinosaur bones. Uh, the gangster Scarpelli wants them to stop. Do you know the line around here that first made me go, oh, this is going to be a fun script, is when Luigi is racing to the job in the van with Mario and he goes, he says the words, sea turtles migrate thousands of miles on instinct. And at this point, I'm like, I've seen this movie enough to know that is not going to come back in life in any way, no. shape or form. There can be any dialogue between them in that van that builds a relationship. But what are we saying about Luigi there? Yep. He, we've started with him eating peanuts, watching pseudoscience shows. Yep. And now he's talking about sea turtles, which are nothing to do with the shows he's been watching. Already, Luigi is a, a fucking conundrum. Mm. Mm. Drain man. Drain Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> or maybe that's... And Barry's there, guy. That was my that line. Was <laughs> I'm really good that, at that. That was mine. He was obsessed with sea turtles. <laughs> uh, we introduced a couple of goons, Spike and Iggy. <laughs> we 
wait, 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 wait. Scapelli, this is another great line. This script is, oh, it's wonderful. Who says when they arrive at a dig site or an excavation, who says, who's in charge of this hole? <laughs> like, what, what? no, you're not in charge of a hole. Like, you're in charge of it. Who's in charge of this site? Yep, who's in this charge? Dig. Who's in charge around here? It's like, it's, it, it's, it's a hole. That's you, something a gangster <laughs> would say. <laughs> Dude, I, I don't think so. I think you'd you'd pick any other word apart from the hole If itself. you're going to call out every line in this film, we're in trouble. Okay. <laughs> there are a few stinkers. I, I, think, I think there's some gold coming up. Um, Luigi falls in love with Daisy. They have a dinner. I'm just trying to get us through this stuff to get to Dino Hatton. Oh yeah, but you're missing you're missing out some gold here. Do, all right, what do you want? What do you want to well, do, Alex? I mean, I, I, I love the fact first of all that Daisy and Luigi's first date is a double date. Yeah. Do you have you? Did, would you do that? I don't if you think were, I've ever been on a double date. I don't think so. Yeah, sometimes someone will want you to meet their friend and go out with you on your first date. Though you're like, I'll, I'll take you with people. All right, even if that's the case. It's not that weird. I don't think it's that fine. Weird. Is it weird to go on your first date? I know what you're going to say. In the clothes. In your work clothes, <laughs> that yeah. you've been digging up well, bones in. We've got the same notes. Shame Daisy doesn't dress for dinner. What the fuck? <laughs> it's literally like, I mean, this that's movie his, wasn't... That's his fault though, isn't it? Doesn't he say, I'm going to pick you up after work or something? I mean... She's but, got time to be changed. <laughs> no, I thought he went from there. Oh, she, from the she, she can say... I'd probably like to get checked. I'm covered in dinosaur mm. dust. I don't know. It's hot. <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, it's a hot outfit. Yeah. It yeah. It really is. It is. Female, female paleontologists are all hot. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Um, Dave, I feel you dragged me into that. I don't feel like I was going to say that, Chris. I feel I feel you fish hooked me. <laughs> uh, after the day... Um, Fisher Stevens, that fucking Spike and Iggy duo. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Daisy shows Luigi her bones. Um, then Scapelli springs the leak to sabotage the place. Mario saves the day. There's a plumbing action scene. Yep. Um, and then the goons uh, knock the plumbers out, kidnap Daisy. They follow her down. Daisy's face comes out the wall. Uh, I remember that effect being quite good back then. I think the effects, to, to be fair to it, for its time, I still think the effects are good. Yeah. Well, in this scene particularly, because they follow her and end up in another dimension, I think those computer-generated graphics there of them falling are really cool. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think it's great as well. What do you think of um, uh, Fisher Stevens and Richard Edson as Iggy and Spike? Um, it's annoying. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I'm a I'm a big Fisher Stevens fan. I don't yes. know much about Richard Edson. Uh, and then Fisher Stevens talks about the fact that uh, the first scene they shot in the movie, they were given some dialogue. It was rubbish, and so they decided to make up their own. And the writers didn't care, and they were like, "Yeah, do what you want." And so they just made up all their own dialogue. Which, in theory, loving Fisher Stevens the way I do, I'm I'm like fantastic, and yet I don't think in all my love of double act henchmen dumbasses <laughs> I've ever seen a more rubbish pair than these two. <laughs> Everything they do in this movie is appallingly bad. <laughs> they are so unenjoyable to watch, and I am forgiving of any comedy double act henchman. This is unwatchable. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so now we're in Dino Hatton, um, which it just reminded me of a lot of other films. Blade Runner? No. <laughs> Demolition oh, Man. It Demolition made me think Man. a What's lot. What's the other one? Total Recall. That's it. 
Yeah. It's very Total Recall. Just you, the colour palette, yeah. Mm. But you like it, though. It looks, I thought it looked great. I, I feel like it should look, I don't know, fun. And it's just, I don't know, it's this dark, nightmarish vision which just doesn't sit right with me when... Well, I'm watching a Mario film. But, okay, but at some point we're gonna we're, we're gonna have to pull back from the idea that this is not a Mario movie. Like, I'm not no because it's it's definitely called Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> I am not Mario. pulling back from that at any point. <laughs> but I mean, none of it is Mario. Like we can say a fact. There is ever, uh, names aside. There is nothing about this that is Super Mario. Gritty cyberpunk metropolis populated by tattooed bikers, gangsters, <laughs> um, strippers. There's spikes, ridges, fangs, fetish gear. Mm. Fishnet tights, trench coats. There's, uh, so I got a bit confused here. So all the humans here have evolved from dinosaurs. Yes. So there's no humans because like, there are dinosaurs and humans on screen together. So I was a bit like, all right, so there are humans in this world, but no, the humans have evolved from dinosaurs. I've, that's what I thought. I have a question. Go on. Uh, and I am, I'm posing it as a question because I know on the National Treasure episode, we had a bit of a thing. Uh, about me talking about pregnancy because it's not my lived experience and you don't like me talking about things like that. So I'm posing it as a question. Okay. So in this world, humans yeah. that have evolved from dinosaurs give birth to eggs. Yes. Would you rather give birth <laughs> to an egg or a What's baby? What's a fucking long-winded way of asking me a question? Hmm. Would I rather give birth to an egg or a baby? Yeah. Is the egg baby-sized? Yeah. Then what fucking difference does it make? That's my question. Because I have no preference. In my head, watching this without having the lived experience, yep. I thought, if I was a woman, I'd probably want to give birth to an egg rather than a baby because of how smooth it is. Babies are smooth. <laughs> they are very smooth. And they're covered in slime. I'm they, not saying they slip right out, but hmm. there's very little friction. Okay. Actually, that's not true. Why didn't it you, doesn't matter. Why didn't you ask me that question? <laughs> <laughs> it's not your lived experience, Chris. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the answer is whichever smaller. Yes, it is. No, if the, no, that's that <laughs> thank comes, you. That comes in the question. Um, imagine it: an egg and a baby, exactly the same size. Yeah. Or I tell you what, though, if you give birth to an egg, do you then have to sit on the egg for another six months and you can't go no, anywhere? If you've not watched the movie, you get a pram and you push it about. Oh yeah, you do, don't yeah. you? Well, that seems okay. And it, and it doesn't. It's uh, silent. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need anything. Mm. Mm. You can still drink. I'm just saying, there's a lot of science going on in the world. Maybe we should look at putting babies in eggs. Putting them in, once they've been born, mm -hmm. put them in an egg, <laughs> put them in a pram, see how they get on. It's not, it's not, it's not the impossible. worst thing I've ever said. <laughs> so, um, King Cooper is not happy with the fungus and germs of his current dimension. He wants the resources in our dimension. His plan is to merge dimensions and get rid of the mammals, but he needs a rock, which the plumbers now have. But they don't have it for long because a woman with jet-propelled boots called Big Bertha flies off with their rock. We're going to have more on her later. Big Bertha is a giant fish in the video games, just to give you an idea of oh, what nice. a departure this movie is. <laughs> um, there's a character called Toad who shows up and sings protest songs about a lack of water and resources. Yeah, They, they wanted Tom Waits for that role. Oh. He said no, and so... Uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but, but he, he looks like Tom Waits. <laughs> he was he was pitched to the production as you'll get him. He's a bit like Tom Waits, and he's like about a tenth of the price. Yeah, <laughs> a, a cop dressed dressed in S and M gear arrests Marion Luigi. They go to prison. Daisy ends up with a bunch of Brooklyn kidnappees. Um, there's just a lot going on yes. in quick succession that it's just quite hard to keep up with. In prison, we find out 
our heroes called Mario Mario. Toad gives us some exposition concerning the dimension thing and we're told that the old king devolved into a fungus that is now taking revenge on the city. So the fungus is supposed to represent the mushrooms and vines from the game. Yeah. But why didn't they just incorporate mushrooms and vines? I don't know. I don't know why it has to be a a fungus that's not... If you're going to have fungus as well, like the the one colour you don't make fungus is flesh-coloured. Especially if you're going to have, as you said at the start, mm, a testicle, testicle mm. that sort of inserts and excerpts a sort of fleshy, gelatinous Shoot. womb. Yeah, you're mm. right. Just don't make it flesh-coloured. Yeah. You make that like green, you're like, oh, I, I get that. But okay. flesh-coloured, it's just like, it makes it very anatomical. Yeah. And it's just scenes that don't really connect together. Cooper pretends to be a lawyer called Larry Lizard <laughs> for about 30 seconds. <laughs> for why? 30 <laughs> seconds. Although that shot, and this is... I may be reaching, but obviously David Snyder was the um, production designer on this movie and he was the art director on Blade Runner. And he was thrilled to actually have this massive where I can't remember what it was. It was some huge warehouse because on mm. Blade Runner... It's they an old cement factory, I told right, you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, there's so much to get through. And um, and he was like, he, I think that scene with uh, where he pretends to be the lawyer... the establishing shot is very much like the Voight Kampf establishing shot test in Blade Runner. Yeah, maybe. In a cool way. Little homage. Mm. Another homage he's doing, and I didn't notice this until it was explained to me in one of the documentaries. Um, He's doing little T-Rex hands when he's walking. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, that's cute. And I don't know if that's good or bad. (laughs) It looks ridiculous. (laughs) He's got this germaphobe thing going on. He doesn't like to be touched. I don't don't really know where he's coming from, to be honest. Is that why he dips his hands in wax? Well, it's never explained, is it? It's, it's, it's interesting, though. <laughs> I guess he doesn't like the germs and fungus of, of this dimension, so I think that's what they're trying to get out there. But he's got a way of dealing with his enemies by de-evolving them. Oh, Which he, looks good. I think it looks good. It does, good. but he de-evolves Toad, and I'm expecting him to turn into a Toad. <laughs> yes. And he doesn't. He turns into a Goomba, a loyal, lethal, stupid Goomba with a small head and a big body, which is the opposite of what they look like in the games, oh, where they it? have a big head and a small body. Really? Yeah. Okay. I love the Goombas in this. Yeah, I do too. I think they're great. Do you want to talk about what Hopper, his massive rant that he did? Go for it. I mean, only only that only just some of the things that he said to uh, Morton and Jankel. He uh, he basically started screaming at them when they gave him some new lines. He said, "This is completely unprofessional. He's n- I've never seen anything like this in my life. You rewrote my lines. You call this writing. This is shit. It's shit. And the fact you do it without asking me." This went on by Richard Edson's estimation throughout lunch and into the afternoon. Five hours, Hopper yelled at them and eventually went, all right, let's do the scene. Yeah, sit back down, Dennis. Fucking hell, you're going to do it or not do it? He said on Conan in two thousand Conan uh, O'Brien show in 2008, I made a picture called Super Mario Brothers. My six-year-old son at the time said, Dad, I think you're probably a pretty good actor, but why did you make that awful movie? And Dennis Hopper said, well... I did it so you could have shoes. And his son, who was six, said, Dad, I don't need shoes that badly. <laughs> that didn't happen. A six-year-old did not bloody say that. <laughs> you think You think some of the anecdotes on American chat shows might be uh, elaborated? I did it so you could have shoes. I'm at the coal face, son, every goddamn day, so you can have shoes, you ungrateful little shit. <sighs> there's, a, there's a car chase. Looks a bit ugly. Uh, Alan Silvestri's 
using his Back to the Future score here. How I did I say it? The music. I was, I was going to do it in the changes, but I've got loads of changes, so I can just say this one here. Did it remind you... At first, I was into it. I love Alan Silvestri's scores, but I was like, yeah, fine, good, because <clears throat> it's doing something that's quite distracting. Mm. But then I was like, it sounds to me like the score from... Say you're rushing around a New York department store and it's Christmas Eve, and once I started thinking that, I couldn't stop thinking that, mm. and it ruined what little joy was left for yeah, me. Yeah, it's not his best work. But the fungus saves them. Uh, there's a weird scene with Cooper having a mud bath where he's clean and dirty at the same <laughs> yeah. time. I know. Well, the thing I love about mud is it's clean and dirty. Right. What? <laughs> what? Know. We're, what? Meet, we're meeting Fiona Shaw as Lena. I um, didn't know Fiona Shaw was in this. So I did a like a comedy double take mm-hmm. on the train from Basingstoke to London Waterloo and they shouted down the carriage. Couldn't believe yeah. it. Thank God for her. But... She was a big fan of Dick and Ian's script yeah. which had really expanded her role and yeah. given her a lot to do and then on set it was just shrinking and shrinking her but role. She's got, a, she's got a proper story mm-hmm. and she's got an art yeah. and she's got a good payoff. Like, what, she gets wait, 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 wait. What is her... First of all, who is she? I wrote down. Jenny's is she his Hopper's queen girlfriend? Is she though? Don't know. <laughs> there's uh, there's absolutely no scene that establishes them as as sexual partners. Yeah. Is she his PA? Uh, yeah. Why does she say things like "I've waited too long"? Yes, I'll do to... this without you. What? <laughs> what, what? Who is she? Well, it's whatever was in that script that she signed up for. Yeah, but there's nothing left. You can't say. No. What, what's her, what's her arc now? She, yeah, I I was in reaching and inferring a lot, but she was by Dennis Hopper's side and then she got impatient and she got jealous because he seems to be very attached to the princess. So she decides to do it without him, do whatever that is, I don't know. Right. And that, whatever. And then she does it, but her greed and her avarice and her grasp for power is what ultimately is her downfall. It ultimately raiders the Lost Ark to, which we will get to. <laughs> which we will get to quite directly. Can, can we talk about this point? Because I think we're probably about 45, 50 minutes into this movie. And I, I, I know I said, let's not talk about how it's not, you know, it's obviously not the video game. But you got to put Mario in red and Luigi in green. I couldn't believe it. I don't mind grunging them up. But the fact, the fact that at one stage, Luigi's in red and Mario's in yellow. Yes, and you're happens. like, what, what mm. are you doing? It, just comparatively speaking, this would be like if in Sonic the Hedgehog, it was not until the third act that Sonic Ran became anywhere. blue. Yeah. And had spikes. And up until that point, he was a bald rat. Mm. <laughs> that's that's the equivalent. I wrote it down. But they finally get into their colours. I think it's one hour and 15 minutes in. Yeah. One hour, I, I one hour, uh, we're getting close. One hour, close. six minutes. Oh, is it? Yep. We're getting close to that. And moment. also, Princess Daisy in the game, doesn't she have a big pink dress and long hair? Yeah. No, that's... No, no, no. Oh, uh, is that someone else? That's Peach. Peach. That's Princess Peach. Oh, I'm Peach. so sorry. Mm. Okay. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> Who's Princess Daisy? Uh, Princess Daisy rules one king. Well, Peach rules the Mushroom Kingdom, and Princess Daisy, uh, well, Daisy rules another kingdom, and I cannot remember what it's called. But they well, run separate kingdoms. I didn't know there was more than one woman in it, and I'm pleasantly surprised. Mm, yeah, I prefer playing Daisy on Mario Kart Eight. Okay, but Peach is good as well. But sure. Speaking <laughs> of Princess Daisy, um, she meets Yoshi, who I think looks pretty great. Yeah, me too. Yeah, do you know who that is? Our old friend Patrick Totopoulos. He's he's had a bit of a U-turn since Godzilla 1998. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Uh, apparently the Jurassic Park effects team came down 
and we're like, we'll we, fix this. We actually <laughs> might want you to join our production um, and set up another workshop. Yeah, go because run. of how good Yoshi mm. is. Yeah. He did a good job. He is good. Um, she's in prison at the top of the World Trade Center of all places. Um, Spike and Iggy evolve. They're clever now. So I was a bit disappointed <laughs> that being clever, because I do think the effects are good. I think the Devo stuff is all good. But when they become clever, it should have done something to them physically. Like, it seems like, I know there wasn't time on this set to be doing anything different, but it's a shame that being clever just means you use big words yeah. when it could have been a physical change. Yes. But also, the problem isn't that they just use big words. It's that within five minutes of being evolved into cleverer people or dino people, they can't manage to drive a Jeep. <laughs> it's, it, it's almost yeah. like they get clever but they're still <laughs> stupid. They yeah. just use longer words. That's completely right. Mario dances with Big Bertha in a club. It's weirdly boring, isn't it? It's weirdly boring. It's, it's weirdly rubbery. Yeah, yeah. For a kid's film. I feel yeah. like, it feels like a fetish club. <laughs> it does. Um, she feels like a fetish lady. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and, but they do play... Open the door, get yeah, on the floor. That. Everybody <laughs> want the dinosaur. I love that bit. Yeah. I love, I, I, it, that was one of my favourite songs as a kid, along with Walk Like an Egyptian. Apparently, as a child, I like songs walking. which suggested you walk in different ways, cool. which I think explains why I have quite a strange walk now. Do you think you have a strange walk? Stranger than most, but I think it's because... Do you know the, do you know the, the, the how to walk the dinosaur? Do you know the dance? Do you go like this? No, that's the Egyptian one. No, I don't know. You're not far off. Okay. Walk like an Egyptian is it's like that. that. Yep. And walk like a dinosaur is like that. Okay. So it's just the front walk like an Egyptian <laughs> arm. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Did you like Walking on the Moon by the police? I'm trying to think of other walking I have, songs. I, 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 no. Well, speaking, <laughs> it felt like there was a story there. Well, me and Sting this one time. <laughs> speaking of walking, our heroes now use their stompers to fly away, and they change into the red and green outfits. Finally, yeah. uh, they dance with some goombas in a lift. I wrote, "What the fuck is happening here?" Uh, and then on one it's of the good. documentaries, Rocky said he needed something for that lift scene. He sent everyone away and added the dancing as the idea it would be hypnotising, snake-charming them. It goes on for ages, though, Alex. It feels like a, a scene out of a Terry Gilliam movie. Yeah. yeah it's, it's quite good. And the Goombas themselves, um, I was watching going, ah, they remind me of something from The Fifth Element. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy, mm. but their costumes, they sold them to the mm. production of The Fifth Element. Yeah. Uh, to play the hulking Mondo Sharwin. Yeah, it does look quite Luke Bessoni, actually, this film, doesn't mm, it? It does. He saw this and thought, I like this aesthetic. I think he <laughs> saw the Goombas and went, I like the Goombas. Uh, Yoshi tries to eat Lena and get stabbed in the neck. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. No. <laughs> One of the children's favourite characters from the games just been released. Uh yeah, you get stabbed in the fucking neck, kids. <laughs> How are you doing over there? You enjoying your movie? <laughs> Toad gets set on fire. <laughs> um, Daisy learns her dad's a testicle. It's, it just, the hits keep coming. Um, Mary and Luigi split up. We've got a toboggan chase through a big pipe. We've got a big pipe, kind of. Yeah. We get it. We haven't it. gone down it, but through it. Uh, Lena turns into the Bride of Frankenstein and yeah. she runs away through a tunnel. Uh, she forces the rock into the meteorite. It's incredible! <laughs> Which blows her away because it's Raiders of the Lost Ark because only Daisy can withstand the force uh, Mario and Cooper start going toe to toe uh, Mario sends the little bee bomb his way I uh, like the bee bomb bomb on oh bomb on sorry 
Um, and then the merge starts happening and Cooper and the Goombas appear in Brooklyn and turns Capelli into a monkey. We're going to have the finale in Brooklyn, aren't we? No, we're not because we haven't got the money to do that. It was going to be the Brooklyn Bridge, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, towards the end of the allotted 10-week shoot, it was clear there was still a lot more work required. Money was running out and so the finale on the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Bridge was dropped. So they just made this up as they went along, really. Um... So they're back in that dimension. They're on a bridge fighting each other. Can we talk about the quote that I used at the start, where's my pizza? Because I just think it's phenomenal that in the climax of this movie, there is a scene where King Cooper orders a pizza and then sporadically throughout the climax, he keeps going... Where's my pizza? <laughs> and it, it's just wonderful because it it serves no purpose. The pizza doesn't arrive ever. No. <laughs> it feels like one of the 39 scriptwriters on this movie at some point had to wait quite a long time for a pizza. Yeah. And this was his revenge and people never questioned why it was in the script. Well, we've said earlier that Hilda before she was called Daisy worked in a pizza parlor. I wonder if it's somehow connected it feels like a lot of stuff came from different scripts and that's why it doesn't make sense here because <laughs> they were different scripts. Um, but yeah, we're into the home straight now. Uh, they use the devolution gun to turn Cooper into a lizard and then the bomb uh, blows him up um, and he turns into a dinosaur and then sort of evolves into, devolves into slime. Uh, the fungus turns into King Bowser, played by Lance Henriksen. Wasn't expecting that. I don't think he's Bowser though. Because King Cooper's Bowser. Mm. Dennis Hopper is Bowser. It's just Bowser is King Cooper. He was called King Cooper in Japan, and then when they uh, brought no, it I over... I thought this was supposed to be King Bowser now. No. That would make... I mean, if it is Because he movie, was the king previously. That wouldn't so make, what was his name then? That wouldn't make any sense. He's just... Uh, Alex, yeah. nothing in this film I know, makes sense. I know, but even... They've split e the name. Even within the confines of the ridiculousness of this movie, Dennis Hopper is King Cooper, who is Bowser. They're just the same person. Well, I know that in the game. I just don't think they are in the film, but fair enough. When I paused it on Amazon... Yes, it said... Bowser next oh. to Dustin, Hoff Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. It, 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 it's not Bowser. Behind the scenes story, Lance Henriksen, when he turns back into the human, he thought there should be sort of fungusy dust, so he blew, he blew Rice Krispies out of his mouth. On, and they, they sort of hit the floor. <laughs> Or they're in his hand, he just sort of blows them. And there was a woman on the floor doing some job down there and a couple of the Rice Krispies hit her and he thought she was very pretty and he ended up marrying her. What? <laughs> That's how we met. <laughs> talk, talk about meet cute. That's how Lance Henriksen met his wife. I... Spat cereal at her. Best thing about this film. Wow. Hey, kids, <laughs> yeah. looking to meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright. Yeah. All you need to do is carry around a pocket full of cereal <laughs> and just blow it in their face. Uh, Mary Louise. COVID restrictions have just been lifted. You can now blow cereal in people's face on the bus, on the wherever you like. <laughs> It's a lovely story. Uh, Mary and Luigi head home without Daisy and then we're three weeks later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that last bit where Daisy says to, um, to Luigi, I'm, I'm going to stay and you know, get to know my dad who I've never, ever met. Mm. And Luigi goes, uh, but you know how I feel about yeah, you. And it's like, wow, <laughs> bold move. Yeah. No interest in looking for a mum either. No, that's no true. Interest. <laughs> that 
That's true. Uh, so we're three weeks later. The Mario Brothers are on the news saving the world. They're now called the Super Mario Brothers. Um, Mario's arc appears to be that he didn't believe in magical stuff and now he does believe in magical stuff. That yeah. is what they came up with for him. Yeah. Um, uh, Luigi's sad because he's missing Daisy and then she appears dressed as Lara Croft because that was also big <laughs> yeah. at the time. <laughs> and they're off on another adventure. And uh, Parker Bennett said his plans for the sequel were the dimensions merging to create a multiverse that was collapsing and the Mario Brothers would have to stabilise. So basically, the new Spider-Man movie, they'd already written it. Right. Could have had it. Right, that's enough of well Super done, Mario Brothers. Chris. Should we do the bits? I'm sorry I went on a bit long there. But no, no, it's good to know why it's such a piece of shit. It's, it's, you can understand now, can't you, yeah, why yeah. it's all over the place. It is, and it is. It, I, you know, every so often, I do enjoy watching something that is just borderline unwatchable because yes. it's a good lesson like, how yeah. do these things actually happen and, and more than one person was talking referring to the directors having scripts that were taped together from bits of yeah. other scripts I mean it's just insanity it sounds like quite a fun movie to work on though apparently Richard Edson said that they all got given like big houses to stay in while they were shooting and it was a nice town a party town mm. and uh, Bob Hoskins apparently uh, didn't join in uh, with all the fun he had a big mansion at the end of the road and they never saw him and they were like he probably wants to keep himself to himself and so they just spent all the time getting stoned and then one time he came around he was like have you been getting stoned here why didn't you invite me <laughs> I would love to have got stoned with Bob Hoskins <laughs> uh, so let's do the questiony bits um, Victoria Vicky what's yeah. your favourite scene uh, it's when Dennis Hopper is de-evolved from whatever he is mm. back into slime mm. i I mean, I'm struggling. I think that's the best. It's not really a scene. It's a bit. Mm. But I think that's the best bit. It's fine. Because it's getting rid of Dennis Hopper, who is 100% irritating yep. throughout. And I think the, I do think the effects are good. Not even, you know, still now, for the time, I'm sure they must have been amazing. But I do think it's fun. Alex. Uh, well, you didn't mention it. It's, it's a deleted scene. So it's not my real scene. But there is it's a fine. scene in the the, the uh, Boom Boom nightclub, which is what it's called, uh, where Iggy and Spike, mm. uh, Fisher Stevens and Richard Edson, uh, they actually perform uh, an anti-authoritarian rap uh, that got cut from the movie, which is a shame. But I watched an interview with Fisher Stevens and you sort of think people, people in interviews now of his experience sort of go, I'm not doing that. And it was one of these online interviews mm -hmm. and the journalist was like, oh, I don't suppose you remember any of the rap. <clears throat> and he's like, oh, yeah, I mean, it was a long time ago. And she goes, no, why don't you try and do it? And at that point, if you're Fisher Stevens, you go, because I'm not fucking an idiot and I'm not <laughs> doing that rap. And she's like, I'll, I'll, I'll drop a beat for you. And she's like, oh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> and he starts doing the rap oh, in his living him. room on a webcam. Bless oh. him. The lyrics. Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the lyrics are were, not good. <laughs> Cooper, the party pooper. The pooper scooper. <laughs> See, no one asked Alex to do it there. He just volunteered it. And he's slagging on Fisher Stevens for doing it on request. Once again, I fucking love Fisher Stevens and the plague is my idol from Hackers. <laughs> Did she then ask him to do his accent? Have no fear. I is here. Did she then ask him to do his accent from Short Circuit? <laughs> no one mentions that movie anymore. <laughs> we will as soon as we find the right pairing. <laughs> not, not to him, though. Uh, <laughs> Fisher, hey, do you want to come on? Is it to do the rap? No, it's to do Short Circuit. <laughs> sure. Just don't do your own makeup. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, right then. 
Uh, my best scene. I I think it's uh, we've done the, the date that Daisy goes on in her work clothes. Uh, we've talked about the Goombas in the lift. Uh, so I'm probably going to go with it's the fact that one of uh, Daniela, who we've li- we've not really talked yeah, about. Yeah, I like Dan- yeah, Daniela. Sorry, good. you're right. It's uh, it's Daniela's friend throughout the entire action-packed climax mm. from scene to scene, yeah. wherever they are, whether they're running, dodging, <laughs> fighting, hiding, she has got a fucking cigarette in her hand. She does. Yeah, and there are, there are some really good deleted scenes with them and her with the cigarettes trying to get a Goomba to smoke a cigarette. And it's really funny, but it just doesn't fit into a kid's film. No shit. <laughs> but the rest of it seemed to, apparently. Yeah. Um, I like the bit where you hear the original Mario music at the start. Just the first I, sort I of thought, three yeah. or four seconds. That's my, my favourite scene. It, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Alex, who's your most valuable whatever? Uh, it's I've got two, and uh, one you surprised me earlier. Um, so I'll do this one first. Uh, it's production designer David Snyder because I do think Cooper City looks great. I, I think you know it's 1993, so obviously it doesn't look as good as some things do now, and obviously. It doesn't look as good as Blade Runner, which he was the art director on. But I just think it's fantastic. Like the the layers, how high the sets are. I think it looks great. It looks like I feel immersed in it. Mm. It feels cyberpunk. It feels cool. It's got no fucking thing to do with Super Mario, but I don't care. I think it's good. Uh, So it's either that or uh, the Gumbers. So their creature designer, Patrick Totopoulos, who once again... From all the uh, all the scorn I poured on him for Godzilla 1998, he, he's done a number between Yoshi and the Goombas. He's my MVW. I think the film looks ugly, <clears throat> but... So I'm disagreeing with your first one, but I'm agreeing with your second one. Mine is Patrick Totopoulos as well. Uh, but not for the Goombas. I think Yoshi looks amazing. Yeah. Vicky? It's Fiona Shaw. Everything she says, everything she does. But most of all, she's a little bit... Not in the sister, just everything she wears. I just was so surprised that blue dress that with the the vertical stripes, mm. just incredible. She looks amazing, and she she's Fiona Shaw in this, which I couldn't believe. And she does bring Fiona Shaw to this, if you know what I mean, like a level of gravitas, even and um, seriousness and integrity, which I wasn't expecting. So yes. I mean, the four main actors are quite serious acting talent, aren't they? I mean, these are award-winning, you know, critically acclaimed actors, all four of them. Yeah. What a meal they made of it. Um, Okay, and if you could change anything, what would you change, Vicky? Uh, It's quite a few things. So they should wear their costumes earlier, not an hour and six minutes in. It should even be maybe 12 minutes, an absolute push. Um, If it's an origin story, excuse me, I would like to know... How the brothers feel about each other? I've got no idea. That there's this idea that, like you said in one of the versions, yeah, that Mario is like resents Luigi. Luigi's yeah. the dream, and Mario wants to get on in life. And he basically, it was very much. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it again. Uh, it was it was very much the only fools and horses relationship where the parents died and Dell has to look after Rodney and he's not managed to do the things he wanted to do in life because he was looking after his younger brother. <laughs> yeah. And if you're like me, you've never really watched Only Fools and Horses. That won't mean anything to you. Yeah. Well, I just explained. <laughs> Um, also change the music get rid of Dennis Hopper actually. just have Fiona Shaw she's much better than he is and if you if Princess Daisy is to believe that a testicle is her dad it needs a talisman of some sort that she remembers from her childhood because otherwise a man that you know is a villain has gone your dad is a testicle and you've gone I believe you and that conjures up terrible images of her childhood where he held her dad held his testicle over her and it's like I remember that image dad oh, the bit where it breathes and it, she's going dad and it breathes and she go oh yeah <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> 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 or better still, a really cute nickname she used to have when she was a little girl. Hey, Papa. <laughs> it would be awesome. So you want you want your change is a testicle that yeah. goes Papa. <laughs> And only her dad knew that name. Yeah. Hi, Alex. Uh, right, let's go through this then. I've got a bit. Uh, the script, um, I honestly think, and I, I know you're going to be like, shut up, but no, I think there is, if not a great movie, then a good movie buried in here somewhere. Uh somewhere on some pages that were shredded a long time ago. On paper, I think it's probably the Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jankel version. I, I don't think Mario fans would have liked it, but I think as a movie, and because Nintendo weren't bothered about it resembling the games at all, it would have been the movie that we could have all enjoyed as mm. a Mario movie. Uh, I, I don't... I think it would have been a kids movie. I think it would have been like, as I said earlier, they were trying to insert all this sexualized material into it, making it darker, making it grittier. Again, I'd have been happy with that just as long as it made fucking sense. <laughs> and I think the biggest problem with this movie and my ultimate change is the Disney distribution deal. I, I think... You know, it, Joffy, if it's uh, if it was dollar signs he had in his eyes when Disney came along and went, we'll give you X to distribute your movie. He should have gone, I know, because you're Disney. I'm going to go with a studio who's going to leave this movie alone and distribute the movie that the filmmakers are making. Whereas Disney come on board and go, well, the mouse house. And so we're going to need you to make this a kid's movie because... A, we make kids' movies largely. I know they released it through the Hollywood Pictures like subsidiary, but even then, they're looking at the dollar signs and kids playing the video games. And if he'd gone with a different distributor, we'd have got the original movie that Morton and Jankel intended, and then it wouldn't have been great, but it would have been the filmmaker's fucking vision. And I would have quite liked to have seen that film. Mm. Yeah, mine's not too different to that. It's along the same lines because I could have written a list of minor things because mm. um, every minute they do something wrong in this film, as far as I'm concerned. But I was listening to Pat Casey, one of the writers on um, Sonic, when he was on that podcast talking about these films, and someone asked him about you know adapting a game. He said, what, you, what they did is you sit down, you figure out what people like about the game, you incorporate that, and then what you have to lose, you replace with cool movie stuff. And I think that's what that Jim Genoine and Tom S. Parker script achieved. And I would love to have seen that version. And there's obviously a Mario movie in production at the moment, Chris Pratt mm. voicing yeah. Mario. And I feel like it'll be more along those lines. I think it can be fun. It should be funny. It should have a fairy tale vibe to it because, and it should have these, you know, these bright, fun, exciting visuals that I just don't think we get here. Yeah, I know. But like you said at the start, you know, I know you guys don't mind the Turtles movie, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I hate that movie. Mm, it's a good film, though. It's a terrible film. Um, and yet, you know, you that's a those those that was a kids' cartoon, and they turned it into a much grittier film. So there is a logic to taking a kids' property and turning it into this grittier film at the time. <clears throat> yeah, but also you but you don't have to copy what other people are doing. And I think they if they'd stayed loyal to Mario, I think they would have had something. And we're done. Oh wait. Shall we leave the last word to Bob Hoskins uh, when he was asked by The Guardian in 2007, what's the worst thing you've ever done? He said, Super Mario Brothers. It was a fucking nightmare. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's sad. You've had, you've had a really sad note there. Poor Bob. 
I mean, we, we, we can go back to the cunnilingus joke earlier. <laughs> right, should we do a quiz? Yeah, that quiz we did last week with the best-selling books. Yeah. I thought, let's do it again with the best-selling games. So I looked up the 50 best-selling video games of all time. I'm going to describe you the game. You tell me the name of the game. Okay. And We're doing 50. Wow. You could do all of them, though. So I don't know. You, I have, this, you can tell us. You always say this, Vicky. Yeah. I've been very careful about the games <laughs> I've picked here. And also... Right. Also, I books last week. There was every. I don't think there was a clash potter out there that wasn't like Vicky's got this. Is that meant to make me feel better? Wow, <laughs> Alex, <laughs> mind game. I'm what? Well, no, I'm saying that because I think there's an assumption that you would know more books than me. And yet I did. <laughs> <laughs> I meant that as a compliment. Right. Okay. All right. I didn't. <laughs> no, I did. I did. <laughs> what I'm saying is, you've there's an equal chance that you could win this as me. Okay, I've been very careful about the games. There you I've go. Picked. Okay, fine. Go on. Let's just get it over. <laughs> First question. Yeah. You know, you say I ended on a sad note. The quiz is the sad note that we end on each week. <laughs> Not for me. Hmm? No. Not for the listeners. Do um, people like it? Anyway, tell me. After. <laughs> this franchise. No one ever talks about the quiz. I, I think. In uh, until the debacle that was the end of like, year quiz last year, the quiz had never been mentioned <laughs> on our Twitter account ever. I actually think, yeah, if you people, want us to drop, if you want us to drop the quiz, it's less work for me. So do let us know. Yeah, I think people uh, after we do the bits, I think people press stop yeah. on episode one. Or if you like the quiz, let us know. Uh, this franchise sits at forty nine on the list, and right. forty three. And 36, and 34, and 24, Street Fighter. and Tomb 8, Raider. which will make it very hard to catch them all. Uh, Pokemon! Pa- Pac-Man. <laughs> Alex got there with Pokemon. Because <laughs> with Pac-Man, you don't have to catch them all. <laughs> you mean, no, you, you do a little bit. You do a little bit. You've got to catch the ghosts. You've got to eat them. You've catch the ghosts. No, it was great. I was going to say Pac-Man. <laughs> all right. Uh, this, this game is number 46 on the list. Uh, released in 2010, this Western... Red Dead Redemption. Okay, that's that's the one that maybe you did have an advantage of. <laughs> okay, number 25. To play this game, you need to pick up the plastic gun attached to your NES. A duck hunt. Correct. Oh, I thought I thought you'd have I thought we'd have a duck hunter there. No. Uh, not <laughs> because she hates animals. Number. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Okay. That was a For joke. Clarity. Yeah. But just, just just I feel it should be said. Vicky l- doesn't love animals. <laughs> Wait, how to phrase it? You can't this? help yourself. Just leave it. All right. We've spoken about no, this. No, I sp- leave it. I spoke to Vicky about this privately, and it needs to be said that Vicky has never killed an animal for fun. Or for food. <laughs> uh, number 12 on the list. Yep. Uh, you must eat all the dots inside. Pac-Man. Yay! Yay! Oh, good for me. Oh, that's fine. If I just, if I, I cannot get, I can't get nothing. If I get nothing. I mean, you can listen, get nothing. <laughs> I'm telling you to pay attention here because yep. this, is, this is coming around. Okay. Number three on the list. Complete lines by moving differently Tetris. shapes. Correct. Yes. Oh, wow. So you need this for the tiebreaker. Okay. 
Uh, and this is number one on the list of the best-selling games of all time. Street Fighter 2, Mario, Sonic. Players explore a blocky, procedurally generated 3D world with virtually Minecraft. infinite terrain. Oh, Minecraft. Yes. I thought you'd get yeah. Minecraft. I might have got that. You're just too quick. Oh. Well played, Alex. Wow, it's scary at the end there. It's okay because yeah. it wasn't like a complete like battering, so it's fine. Oh, it was nearly I actually, it was nearly I, as I just felt as... Minecraft was you. No, the kids are too small. We're not. We're not quite there. I don't know what the fuck your so, excuse is. <laughs> no, I thought. I thought you might have heard of Minecraft. Is what I was saying. <laughs> My excuse is being aware of things. <laughs> it's not really an excuse either. More of a fact. <laughs> Just I'm aware of Minecraft. Right. <laughs> Are you suggesting that I hang around with children that aren't my own going, do you like Minecraft? What kids have you got? <laughs> Simon's a very clever dog. That's true. Uh, right then, that is the quiz done. I won. Next week, <laughs> Clash Potter's In Control is over. It's Chris's choice mm. for a pairing. Mm. Chris, what is the clue? Uh, the clue is terror in the great outdoors. Do you know the films, Alex? Because you'd forgotten. Yeah, I don't. Do you? Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'd forgotten, I remind you I'd forgotten as well. Okay. Okay. So it's a tough clue. Do you want me to work it out? Uh, not, not right now. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay good. <laughs> Terror in the Great Outdoors is the clue. Okay. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate, and indeed reviewers if you have the time. It's a great help. And check in with us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. As you know, fans of the quiz or non-fans of the quiz, you've got a reason to get in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram at the moment. Let us know if it's a feature that could be dropped. It would make Vicky and I's relationship stronger. <laughs> That's at ClashPod. We're back on Thursday talking Sonic the Hedgehog. Bye-bye. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.